Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome into the Jeff Andrea Show here on Friday, February 28th. Thanks so much for tuning in here today. Normally, of course, this would be the last day of the month, but not today, as of course it is a leap year. If you have any burning questions or have a subject you want me to talk more about or you just want to say hi, please do not hesitate to shoot me an email at jandreas at stingray.com or hit me up on Twitter at Jeffrey underscore Andreas. Got a good show lined up here today. Uh, Going to be a bit of a focus on accessibility over the next little bit. Uh, at Tuesday's council meeting this week, staff did present an update on the accessibility and inclusion plan uh, moving together towards a more accessible Kamloops. Yeah, so council gave the green light for staff to work with the Healthy Kamloops Engagement Group on a plan to implement the priorities set out in this document. So those priorities were put together with the help of hundreds of Kamloopsian voices who participated in the consultation process from March through October of 2017. So that's a few years ago now. Uh, it combines the opinions, ideas, comments, and suggestions about how we as a society can increase accessibility and decrease barriers for people living with disabilities here in Kamloops. The report states that the goal for the city is to be among the most progressive in Canada for people with disabilities, a place where disabilities are not barriers to living full lives and contributing to the community. We could always do better, of course, and uh, it will look to change some attitudes, create new opportunities, and place an accessibility lens on all decisions made here in the city. Corporate Services Director Kathy Humphrey does give here a, a very brief statement from uh, Tuesday's meeting here on some of the initiatives that are taking place here in the city. The um, funding in various budgets when we started to look at all the things the city is doing across the departments for accessibility include um, wheelchair ramps that have been installed or are planned to be installed through both buildings and sidewalks and um, other road type active transportation budgets, sidewalks, playgrounds, uh, pathways and parks, as well as active transportation options all have accessibility components that have been addressed in the various programs. Now, one concern that was brought forward on Tuesday by Councillor Sadie Hunter, Sadie Hunter, excuse me, was around wheelchair accessibility. In terms of some tangible areas where we could directly increase funding, um, the two that stood out to me were wheelchair ramps and bus stop accessibility. Uh, at the current rate, it'll take us 75 years to do all of the wheelchair ramps and the letdowns in the city. And for the bus stops, it will take us 20 years to finish. So I implore the committee to have a look at those two items specifically. Now, Councillor Hunter was set to join me here later this hour to talk more about these concerns and sort of what can be done to help improve accessibility in Kamloops and do a little bit more, um, you know, do things a little bit quicker than a 75-plus year plan. Unfortunately, I am receiving word now that Councillor Hunter is a bit under the weather here today, so I'll have to reschedule that chat for a later date. Um, we'll have to make some adjustments here on the fly. So, Sadie, please get better, and hopefully we can do something in the not-too-distant future to talk more about this accessibility plan and sort of what's in store for the city of Kamloops over the next number of years years to try and improve accessibility here in the city. But staying on that topic of accessibility and looking sort of at the recreation side of things, the Pacific Sport Interior BC, the Kamloops Adapted Sports Association, and the city of Kamloops is set to host a sledge hockey open house tomorrow evening at MacArthur Island Sport and Event Center on the Olympic ice. Now, the event is funded by Via Sport and the province of BC through the Winter 2020 Spirit Grant, which celebrates the 10-year anniversary of the 2010 Vancouver Olympic and Paralympic Games. So the community is invited out to come and try the sport of sledge hockey. 
sleds, sticks, helmets, gloves. They'll all be provided. The event is open to all ages, abilities, and skill levels. Seven new youth sledges have recently been purchased to advance the sledge hockey program for youth here in Kamloops. Sledges were purchased by Pacific Sport Interior BC and KASA with the support from Sport Ability BC and funded in part by a grant from Via Sport and the province as well as the Government of Canada. So these new sledges will be used for community events, youth programs, and for students with disabilities. So I'll be joined in just a few minutes by those who are helping to coordinate this specific event here at Mac Island and the Olympic size ice. Uh, that is set to go around 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. So if you are interested in trying out the sport of sledge hockey, you've never had the chance to jump on a sled before, uh, I've never had a chance to hold those uh, sweet pick sticks in your hands and move around the ice. I'm not exactly sure if I'm using the terminology correctly. So I do have some coming in here with this event to talk a little bit more about what it's all about. And hopefully they can correct any uh, mistakes I made when talking about the terminology surrounding the sport of sledge hockey. As a huge hockey fan, it is a sport that I've always sort of been intrigued by. So I'm excited to talk a little bit more about it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, a hockey guy, so I'm used to uh, skating around with the stick in my hand. But that's uh, quite a bit different, really, than what you see when it comes to sledge hockey with two sticks, one in each hand that you use to propel yourself around the ice on a sled. It's, uh, I don't know if I have the upper body strength to do something like that, but uh, maybe I'll uh, hit up the ice tomorrow at Mac Island and check it all out and try it out myself and just see how difficult it truly is because I'm sure, you know, it always looks easier than it is when you actually go about doing it. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. And to end off today's show, well, it is time for another edition of Friday Headlines. Senator Lynn Bayak suspended again. Concerns over automated driving technology in the U.S. and maybe some more as well. I'll be getting into more about what all of that is, what those headlines mean, and uh, what the meat of those headlines is. So that will be coming up at the tail end of the hour. So please stick around. I got lots of great stuff coming up here over the course of the next little bit. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and I'll be back with more Jeff Andreas show after this. So please stay tuned. <laughs> Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the show here on Friday. I hope you're all ready for a lovely weekend ahead. If you are looking at your calendar right now and Saturday maybe is looking a little blank, well, I got an idea. How about you try out sledge hockey? Because you have an opportunity to jo do just that here in Kamloops this weekend. I'm joined now by a Sport Participation Coordinator for the BC Interior, Katie Clausen. Katie, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having us. And joining us here as well is Andrew Abley with uh, Sledge Hockey here in Kamloops. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. I need you to pull that mic up just a little bit closer so everyone can hear you there. Perfect. All right. So uh, let's just start by talking about uh, tomorrow's event. I mean, this is something that I don't think people get to experience very often, right? A, a chance to really come down to the Mac Island Olympic ice and try out sledge hockey. Um, you know, how, how unique is this, first of all? Yeah, so we've we've tried to do a few open houses before to get uh, the word out, out about sledge hockey. Um, but this opportunity came along uh, via sports, uh, our provincial uh, Sport Governing Body came out with a, a grant to host a an event in your community to showcase a Olympic or Paralympic sport as um, a celebration of the 10-year anniversary of the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. Uh, so Pacific Sport Interior BC and Camus Adapted Sport Association applied and were successful. Uh, so we got some money to op uh, host this open house. And um, yeah, we just thought it'd be great for the community to become aware of sledge hockey, the program, and just come try it out. Andrew, I mean, as someone who plays yourself, I mean, how well is sledge hockey participated here in Kamloops? Is it a, is it a popular sport here? 
because it's a new sport to cantaloupes, we're, we're growing. Um, a lot of people think it's just for disabled or people with mobility challenges, but it's, it's for everybody. It's a great core workout, it's a great upper body workout, and it's a great family environment. Yeah, I uh, I watch some sledge hockey here, like when the Paralympics and stuff are on, and uh, you know it doesn't look all that challenging from afar. But then you start thinking about all the upper body strength and stuff that it takes, and I mean, it looks like I actually it probably is really challenging to to really get a grasp of. Exactly. Um, I mean, a lot of guys um, they try to make it like hockey, and it it is it is hockey. Of course, it's national Canada's a national game, but there's things like skating backwards you can't do in a sled. So you really have to work on your stick handling and your cutting off angles where people are coming down the ice, which is totally different. Yeah, that's uh, definitely, I never even would have thought about that. Skating backwards is something you can't do. Uh, Katie, have you had a chance to, to get on a sled? Yeah, I tried it for the first time uh, last year. Um, actually, Campbell's Adaptive Sport Association had um, an event for Unplug and Play Family Literacy Week. So they invited families to come and try such hockey. So I was able to do it for the first time. And... It is challenging. Yeah. Like I'm a, I grew up playing sports and everything, but it's just, it's just a different type of sport. Um, a lot of fun though, a great fun environment, uh, and it's. I just encourage a lot of people to try it. Now, Andrew, you said uh, you know sledge hockey is kind of new to Kamloops. So how how long really has a sledge hockey program been running? Um, well, basically about a year. We started this time last year. Okay. Um, the nice thing with Kamloops is we got that beautiful facility over in MacArthur Park that's set up for sledge hockey. There's not a lot of communities where the ice is level with the penalty box where you can just come right on the ice. So yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because that's something, I mean, I play most of my hockey right now at, uh, at Memorial and the, the step down at that rink is like two and a half feet tall, it feels like, when I'm actually on the bench. But that's something that, you know, it's um, pretty awesome that the city has set that up for you guys because probably not really many places at all that would have uh, an accessible bench, I guess. No, I mean, I, I'm starting to do a program with the school district. And just seeing the, the different communities, and we're very, very lucky to have this facility. I mean, I don't even think Kelowna's got this facility, which is, you know, kind of a hats up on, on us. Oh, yeah. Well, we always got to brag when we have something that Kelowna <laughs> does it, right? Um, one of the things, too, about uh, tomorrow's event, too, is I noticed that uh, there was an opportunity to buy a number of youth sleds as well. Um, so, you know, how... how how many youth, I guess, are, are you trying to get involved? Or are we trying to, like, start up a league? I mean, are we just trying to get people aware that this is an option of a sport that they can try out? Um, you know, sort of what is the intent when we're trying to encourage more youth to get involved? So for Pacific Sport, we host um, a multi-sport Pro D Day camp for youth 7 to 12. So on um, last December 2nd, uh, Andrew came and we did um, sledge hockey for kids, and they were able to try it out. And we just noticed that the sledges were just too big for them. And it was a little bit challenging for them to try the sport and a lot of tipping over and the buckets were a little bit too big. And um, I know Andrew really wants to grow this program um, mm -hmm. for adults and youth. Uh, so Via Sport again came, um, had a grant uh, where we were able to purchase seven. So uh, 3,000 came for Via Sport and then Pacific Sport was able to match that as well. Um, so we were able to have the funding for that. And then also we had a few teachers in the school district 73 um, reach out to us and say, hey, we have a child that's not able to skate with their class. Um, so Andrew brought the sledge. Um, some of them have a handle at the top so an adult can skate behind them and sort of support them as well. So I think just having those kids not be able to 
gate with their class as well, and now they are able to because we have these mm -hmm. sledges. Is um, that's kind of why you know we wanted to get the smaller sledges, and we've had a few kids come out to mm -hmm. the program as well um, for unplug and play when we do that event. Um, yeah, just some, a lot of community events as well where kids can try it out. Uh, we just wanted that equipment, and I know Andrew wants to grow the sport within the school district as well. Um, yeah, can I follow up on that specifically? So there was an opportunity for kids to go skating, I assume some sort of a public skate, I guess, with a class, and, yep. and there was a kid who couldn't, couldn't go. I mean, what was that like to be able to provide that opportunity that maybe they weren't able to or weren't even aware might exist? I don't think words can describe how powerful that is to see a, a kid that's never skated with his class before um, to be able to get on the on the ice with this class and, and be part of this class. It was, it was incredible to see and to actually be involved, not adapted, you know, like not in a wheelchair on the ice. They're actually in a sled skating. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's a very cool thing. Yeah, so if, if someone were to find themselves in that sort of a situation, I guess, how do they go about, uh, you know, finding this opportunity? Do they contact, um, who do they contact? Uh, so they can either contact uh, CASA or uh, myself. So um, just go to Pacific Sport Interior BC. Um, all our contact information is there. So just feel free to email, email myself and then um, pass on the awesome. um, message on to Andrew. And Andrew's been so amazing um, with his time to um, and donating it to um, helping these kids. Awesome. Now, uh, you did bring a sled in here today. So it's uh, sitting here in the studio. And I'm yep. pretty excited yep. to, to get an up-close and personal look at this um, first and foremost I want to ask how much does one of these cost because I don't think anyone you know really has a clue of just how much a sport like sledge hockey actually costs to participate in so just to start with how much does a sled cost to, to actually have and, and to get into uh, it's about um, <laughs> we for six thousand dollars we were able to get seven uh, sledges with sticks and then we got a few we got one high back so if um, someone doesn't have good core then this high back really helps support their okay. uh, their back and the one that's in the studio as well has anti-tip as well so um it just helps for them not to fall over yeah it so sounds much like it would well. help me if i were to try it out for <laughs> yeah sure. it's like a lazy boy on ice yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's a great way to sell this it's, it's amazing like you know it's not just disabled people or without core it's it's a great way to get involved in the sport and and be competitive yeah yeah while you grow your core muscles that's a good workout, for him, I'm sure. Um, one thing, too, I've always been curious about is looking at, at the sticks themselves. You know, when I, when you look at people picking around out there, it looks like it would really chew up the ice. I mean, is that a concern that ever comes out from, from sledge hockey participants? Is that, you know, after, after you guys are done, that do you, do you really chew up the ice? Or, you know, are these designed to, to kind of not do well, that? Well, the city's been amazing with that. I mean, you definitely the ice surface does matter. So you get too cold and the ice will chip. Mm -hmm. You get you know too soft and you you'll start to groove it. Um, going through Clearwater, Clearwater had phenomenal ice and it was hard and it didn't leave a lot of grooves. Um, the comment from the uh, the rink attendant was it's not worse than figure skating. Really? So okay. It's, you know it's it depends on the surface, but there's been no complaints out of any of the arena staff that I, I go to public skates and I've also. You know, we do the weekly program, and we haven't had any problems. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because that's uh, that's just something I've always kind of been curious about. It looks like it would probably do a lot of damage, but 
you know, at the same time, you see the course of a game, and you know, at the end, it doesn't look like it's really that much worse for wear than it was at the beginning. So, um, well, you put the Blazers on the ice, you know, <laughs> and they're they're pretty hard on it. So that's a good point. And uh, yeah, those figure skaters with those toe picks yeah. can really do a number exactly. as well. Um, awesome. So um, yeah, I mean. I guess what what's kind of the next plan? Are you hoping to get a league going, just a, a a full fledged team that can come out of Kamloops? I mean, sort of just where are you hoping to see this go? I know you're just trying to get more people involved and to think about it as a sport and get more youth involved as well. But sort of what is there? Is there an overall goal, or is it just sort of going to play this by ear right now? Well, there is there is um, leagues through the Lower Mainland. Um, I know there's a couple of teams in Kelowna, up in Prince George. So maybe down the road that that will be a goal. Right now, it's it's having fun getting out there as a family. Me and my daughter comes out weekly, and she's eight years old, and she's competitive, <laughs> and just just having fun and growing the sport. Awesome, you know, showing what you can do on the ice. Yeah. Well, uh, we got about a minute minute or so left here, so uh, running out of time. But you know, if people do want to come down and, and participate tomorrow, I mean, uh, you know, I believe it starts at six o'clock, right, yeah. at Mac Island at yep. the Olympic size ice. Yeah. How long does it take to to get someone set up in this? Is it a long process to get ready and get dressed? We've kind of got it streamlined now, so it's it's not a it's not a, a long process at all. Um, you adjust the the length for the legs. The helmets are quick adjust. Um, you can be on the ice in, in 10 minutes, if that. Yeah, so it's a lot quicker probably to put on a sled than a pair of skates, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, it takes the same, like, you want to do it with the straps just as tight as skates. Right. Because it makes it easier. But we've kind of got a, a good system going. All right. Well, 30 seconds left. Uh, I'll just leave it up to you guys. If you have one message for those who are thinking about coming out tomorrow night, do you, what, what should they be aware of? When should they show up and, and what should they know? So, yeah, we, we're hoping to get a good crowd out for tomorrow. So it starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, we have coffee, hot chocolate. We're going to celebrate with some cupcakes. And, um, yeah, so we just want a good crowd. We are going to be providing um, all the sleds, sticks. We do have extra helmets. We have extra hockey gloves as well. So if, um, if you want to bring your own helmet, make sure it does have a cage on it. And it's open to everybody, all abilities, all ages. Um, bring your family out and, yeah, just get more awareness about sledge hockey and also celebrate the 2010 um, Vancouver Winter Olympics. Right on. Well, Andrew, Katie, thank you guys so much thank for coming you. in and thank talking you. about this. I think it's a really cool event, and I really hope you get a lot of participants tomorrow night. Thank awesome. you so thank much. You. Awesome. Uh, well, that's... Uh, that's at Mac Island, like I said, tomorrow night, starting at 6 o'clock. Uh, be there to try out some sledge hockey. Coming up next, we're going to be talking a little bit about weather. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some new uh, resources for teachers when it comes to making their kids learn how to rule, uh, be safe on the road. We'll talk more about that after this. The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the show here on Friday the 28th and thank you so much for lending your ears my way here today as we get set for what should be a pretty great weekend especially when looking at the weather so let's get into a little bit more detail on what we can expect moving forward here over the next little while in Kamloops and I'm joined on the line now by Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lundquist. Doug thanks so much for taking the time here. No problem good morning. Yeah, so, I mean, this is going to be a, a pretty warm next, well, it looks like week pretty much here. So uh, maybe just in, in a general sense, what can we expect here in Canlis? Let's just start by looking specifically at this weekend. Uh, looks like it's going to be pretty nice. we got some sun coming up on Sunday. Uh, just maybe a general look of what we can expect here over the next couple of days. 
Yeah, well, we have a storm crossing, actually, the southern part of the province. Today is starting out okay, but there is a low-pressure system and a cold front forecast for tomorrow. So we could get some gusty winds and showers tomorrow, but it's still pretty mild. We're expecting a high today of about 9 degrees, and even tomorrow about 6 or 7, which is our average high for this time of year anyway. So a little blustery tomorrow with that low, but picking up again as we get into the latter part of the weekend with some sun on Sunday and Monday, sunny and high of about 12 degrees. Yeah, I mean, we saw some sun here yesterday, and and, uh, like you mentioned, now Sunday sunny and 9, and Monday sunny and 12. I mean, is this sort of what we can expect as a trend moving forward? Are we sort of out of of any real potential for, uh, for negative temperatures? Well, we'll still get frosty nights. I do declare that it is winter is over. We call meteorologically the first day of spring as the first. So Sunday is the first day of spring, and it's right on track for this year. Uh, we tend to warm up about a degree every four or five days on average. So it's really that accelerating period. The sun has a lot of power to it. It gets to above 30 degrees at high noon, which is more than half the power of the sun directly overhead on the equator. So even though it's only 30 degrees, it has a lot of punch to it. So it is that time of year we start to see things really pick up. So with with that being said, you said we warm up in general a degree every four or five days or so. Um, you know what what is the normal I guess for around this time? What what should we be expecting right now as we look ahead to those four or five day trends where we're going to start warming up? So right now at the end of February, what is the normal? Yeah, it's about seven degrees for the high and a low of minus three. So even. By the end of the forecast, which is the seven-day forecast, we should be seeing the average high getting up to around eight or nine. So each week we're seeing it pick up. So certainly it's that period there where we start to see things warming up fairly quickly. And that's why it almost seems to be a bit of a shock because every time we warm up this time of year, it's like we really step it up and take it up to a new level. So it might cool down a little bit like we're going to get tomorrow, but then the next time it warms up, it's kind of even better than the previous one. So it's like an uphill uh, in a good sense for temperature. Now, when we're talking springtime, I mean, there's always the potential, you know, for, for significant swings either on the high side or the low side. So just, uh, you know, in case, and uh, not that it's necessarily expected in any way, shape, or form, but what are some of the records that we're looking at for around this time of year in terms of highs and in terms of lows, just to kind of get a grasp of really what the extreme shifts can be either way? I only looked for the record highs, so that, just because I think we're closer to record highs than the record lows. The record highs this time of year range from 17 to 20 degrees. So though we're going to get to 12 on Monday, it's not really anywhere near a record yet. So, uh, but it, it is definitely in that time there where we're, we could see maybe a 15 degree if we get a sunshine there and a little bit of a southwest wind off the hills to the south of Calhoun. Looking pretty nice, at least for the next week or so. Yeah, and I'm just uh, even looking here briefly at the uh, Environment Canada website. It says the, the lowest temperature uh, for Kamloops on February 28th was in 1951, where it was minus 15. So, um, you know, like you had said, we're closer to the other side, thank goodness, because I don't want to yeah. be dealing with minus 15 right now. Yeah, and we have records that go further back than that, so I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a minus 20 in there, too. But uh, like, I don't want to scare people, because I think we're out of the woods from that. That being said, the day they clean the sand off the side of our roads, we'll get into a snow dump. Like, there's still always a chance for a temporary spring dump. And it's a joke here where I live in Colonia. The minute they clean that, that sand off, 
we'll get another one. All right. Well, we'll enjoy the, the sunny skies while we have them and those, uh, you know, 10, 11 degree temperatures that we're going to get over, over the next little while. And then we'll just uh, kind of prepare and plan for one brief snowfall that's going to come and we'll wait until the streets <laughs> are clean for that. But thanks so much for doing this, Doug. Appreciate your time. Yeah, have a great day. Take care. All right, you as well. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weather. It's going to be a good one. That was Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lungfist. Yeah, like I was saying there, I mean, you know, we got that little bit of a chance of showers, 40% chance tomorrow and a high of 6, but then Sunday, sunny and a high of 9. Monday, sunny and a high of 12. Definitely a chance to get out there and uh, enjoy some outdoor activities. And, yeah, Saturday, I mean, like I was talking in my last segment, I mean, there's that thing going on at Mac Island at the Olympic-sized ice where you can try out sledge hockey. So if it does start raining tomorrow and you need something to do inside, we'll head down to Mac Island and try out some sledge hockey because it's not something you're going to get to try out on a very regular basis. So take advantage of these kinds of opportunities when you get them. If you're a hockey fan and, uh, you know, you're interested in that Paralympic sport, but like I, like I was saying with Andrew here earlier, it's not a Paralympic sport. It's about a lot more than that. You don't have to have any disability to go out and try it out. Um, so everyone's invited to go check that out. I think it's worth doing, especially if we do get that rain that we might see uh, tomorrow here on Saturday. Now, I'm going to move on a little bit here. ICBC, uh, they have developed this week some new road safety resources for teachers to help kids stay safe. So basically, these resources have been designed to help students ranging in age from preschool through to grade 10, and teachers are now able to download road safety measures on the ICBC website. So basically, instead of having to lug around big books and pamphlets and things like that to hand out to students, now all this stuff is available online. So ICBC, of course, is trying to get young kids and, and young teens to be safe on the road uh, before they basically get into a vehicle. So here now to talk a little bit more about these resources is Road Safety Program Manager for ICBC, Mark Milner. Mark, thank you so much for uh, taking the time here to join me today. Thank you, Jeff. So... Yeah, just give me a quick rundown to start of what exactly these new resources are that have been developed. How are these going to be useful? Well, we've been uh, developing these kinds of resources for years for teachers. Um, last year, what we decided to do was uh, they haven't been updated in, in several years. We decided to give them a complete uh, uh, sort of review and, and update. Um, previously, teachers had to place an order and wait for it to be delivered to them, and it would be a fairly large box full of stuff. Um, now they can download uh, the materials as PDFs. They can upload things to a school website. They can also stream videos. There's a lot of lot of improvements that we've made. So definitely sounds like a, a big uh, improvement for those who are you know lugging around materials. You don't have to have all these uh, books and pamphlets and things like that that might go along with some of these uh, resources that are being available. So with them being online though, did you uh, you know make any significant changes to the program itself? We did. We actually worked very closely with teachers uh, developing the, the new materials, making sure that they met the current ministry standards for, uh, for, uh, for the guidelines that they have for their cur curriculum uh, through the Ministry of Education. We also worked closely with teachers to make sure that they were going to be useful to them as, as teaching resources. Now, you know, these are basically designed, like I mentioned, they're from uh, preschool to grade 10. So basically, all the years leading up to when you can finally actually go about getting your license. So how well, um, I guess, does this prepare a, a young adult or a teenager, I guess, to, to get ready to start getting actually behind the wheel? I guess, how, how would this course differentiate between, say, a, a young driver's course when they're actually behind the wheel? 
so this this course is really about um, developing attitudes from a very young age, from preschool. Um, and so it's teaching the skills that you need to, you know, looking out for hazards on the road when you're crossing the street, when you're walking to school, when you're cycling. Um, it really covers a, a much larger range than just what uh, would be focused on in a driver education course, but it sort of lays the groundwork for those driver's ed courses so that when somebody starts to learn how to drive, um, they're, they're more prepared for that. Yeah, definitely have a, a better base knowledge, right, I guess, before... Um, I guess you wouldn't really know necessarily a whole lot until you actually do start driving. I know that was that was my case, you know, uh, 15 years ago or so or whatever it was now since I started driving. Um, you know, you kind of just knew what you knew from, from being in the car with your parents, but no one really taught you necessarily the rules of the road until you were actually getting into that, uh, that course to prepare for the test to get your learner's license. So, um, you know, are you noticing or, or have you noticed as a result of this, you know, a lot more uh, prepared individuals uh, when they do sort of take that next next step to, to trying to become a driver? Well, I think what the, the really important thing that it does is it, it lets, it gets people better at making decisions based on risk, right? So, and it gets them to, to be aware of what they, they need to watch for when they're on the road, whether they're crossing the street or cycling or when they start to drive. And they, we, we do touch on everything from, uh, you know, how to determine the, the speed of oncoming vehicles to uh, the rules of the road at a four-way stop. Right on. Um, so, uh, I guess, you know, for, for, for young kids, I mean, is this essentially making them more prepared to be safe when thinking at things like, um, you know, I'm trying to just think of some other ways to go about this. So, like, when we're talking about young kids maybe, like, crossing the street, I mean, you know very well to, to look both ways, but this... Um, goes into a little bit more than just sort of those those simple rules, I guess, if I'm understanding correctly. It does, and it also teaches them how to be good passengers in a vehicle. So it it really covers a lot of ground, um, more than more than I think most people would expect. With that said, that's an interesting point you made, how to be a good passenger in a vehicle. I'm sure there's a lot of adults who could use that lesson as well. Uh, can you maybe just expand on that a little bit? What What does being a good passenger look like? Well, being a good passenger, for one thing, is um, making sure that you're not doing things to distract the driver, right? So that's that's part of the, the lesson that we provide to to young people. But it's also, you know, making sure that uh, that you're securely uh, buckled into your your booster seat or or car seat, depending on on how old the child is, um, or just your seatbelt if you're if for for a little bit older, right? Um, it it also has to do with um, you know, um, just sort of uh, making sure that you're observing what's going on around you so that you're, you um, pick appropriate moments to, uh, to ask questions if you're, if you're in the car with a parent or, or another adult. Right on. Um, I think that's pretty much it on this re regard here, Mark. Um, you know, how long did this really take to, to develop to make this switch from, from you know, all that, guess, you know, hard, hard, uh, hard copy stuff to move over to the, the more computer-based model? Did this take a long time to, to transfer over? Uh, well, as you can imagine, it, it took took the better part of a year um, to to go through all these materials. There was a lot of consultation, as I said, with teachers, uh, consultation uh, with uh, First Nations educa educators. There was also uh, consultation with the Ministry of Education and. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of work that, that had to go into this. 
so uh, we're we're pretty pleased with it, and um, it's important to ICBC um, to make sure that we're doing everything we can to promote a safe driving culture in BC and a safe road use culture for for people who aren't driving. Right on. Um, Also curious here while I have you, I mean, when we're talking about uh, making safe drivers, safe passengers, safe pedestrians, um, you know, is there any sort of different lessons that people may be learning or may want to take away, um, you know, for someone, say, who lives in northern BC versus someone who lives in the lower mainland where there's a lot more congestion, a lot more vehicles on the road? Are there any different lessons or, you know, are, are things sort of uh, tailored, I guess, to depending on where you may live in the province? Or is, you know, being a safe driver, passenger, pedestrian, or is that sort of, uh, you know, uh, something that's across the board, doesn't matter where you live, the, the rules sort of apply everywhere? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. And there's, there's quite a bit of um, a sort of tailoring that teachers are able to do with these materials. So they can choose the materials that they think are appropriate, the lessons they think are appropriate for their students. Right on. Uh, I think that's about all I have for questions for you right now, Mark. Anything else you want to add on this before I let you go? Uh, Just if uh, teachers are interested in finding this, uh, they can go to icbc.com slash four teachers. That's the number four teachers, and uh, they can download those materials there. Right on. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. That was uh, Mark Milner, the uh, program manager for ICBC. Coming up next, it's time to play Friday Headlines, so stay tuned. we got more Jeff Andrea Show coming up after this. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back in here on Friday. It is the Jeff Andrea Show, and thank you so much for tuning in on February 28th. Of course, it is not the last day of the month here today, as, of course, it is a leap year, so we are actually just on day number 59 of 366, tomorrow, of course, being a leap day. It is the end of the week, the end of the month, and with that in mind, I thought it would make for a good time to play some Friday Headlines. And now, Friday Headlines with Jeff Andreas. All right, well, the first headline of the day is Senate votes to suspend Lynn Bayak for a second time over racist letters posted to her website. Yes, the Senate has voted to suspend Senator Lynn Bayak a second time over derogatory letters about Indigenous peoples posted on her website. Senators have approved a report from the Upper House Ethics Committee, which recommended Bayak be suspended without pay for the duration of the current parliamentary session. The report was adopted on division, meeting with some opposition, though there was no recorded vote. So, Bayek was kicked out of the Conservative caucus and eventually suspended without pay in May of last year after refusing to remove those offensive letters from her website, a suspension which ended automatically when Parliament dissolved for last fall's federal election. She did apologize on Tuesday, after which some of her former Conservative colleagues did try, unsuccessfully, to refer that matter back to the committee. But independent senators took the position that Bayek needed to be suspended again while undergoing anti-racism training and that the matter could be revisited after that. Bayek was kicked out of the Conservative caucus and eventually suspended without pay, as I mentioned, in May of last year after refusing to remove those offensive letters. And, uh, you know, now this is... 
the second time around. I mean, how many times does a person need to be suspended on the same thing before it becomes clear that they just aren't going to learn? I mean, as, uh, you know, Senator Limbeck, she's from uh, northern Ontario, and, uh, you know, being suspended twice over racist letters being posted to your website, I mean, it's a pretty simple solution when you're looking at something that is on your website. You can just take it down. It's really not that hard. One of the other things that has concerned me about this particular individual is when she got up and was talking, you know, publicly about all the the good that comes from the residential school system. I mean, I don't know how um, ignorant, I guess, would be the word one has to be um, to be able to believe that 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 is a a reasonable stance to take. Um, You know, I just I don't understand it. I, I, I can't imagine being someone out there who has to hear this, who is on the opposite side of where I guess white people really would have stand on this issue. I mean, this is it was a horrible thing that occurred. Uh, it really was not all that long ago. This is not ancient history. This is very recent history that we're talking about. And the fact that someone is condoning this kind of language and this kind of behavior is really concerning, especially someone who is in a Senate position. You can argue about the legitimacy of the Senate and whether or not it should be here. But if someone is going to be in that position, well, I think they should reflect the values of the majority of Canadians. And I'm not convinced that Senator Limbayak is doing just that. So she has been suspended a second time for allowing those racist letters to be posted on her website. We'll see if she learns. She's going to get this anti-racism training. We'll see if it makes a difference. I'm not convinced it's going to, but... I mean, I guess that's all one can do is hope at this point in time. All right, let's move on to the next headline. It's time for a new headline. Yeah, the next headline here is looking at an incident south of the border. The National Transportation Safety Board says that Tesla autopilot and distracted driver error caused a fatal crash. This is an interesting situation that has arisen out of California, Silicon Valley, if you will. So Tesla's partially automated driving system steered an electric SUV into a concrete barrier on a Silicon Valley freeway because it was operating under conditions it could not handle and because the driver was likely distracted by playing a game on his smartphone. Yeah, so the board made the determination earlier this week in this fatal crash and provided nine new recommendations to prevent partially automated vehicle crashes in the future. Among the recommendations is for tech companies to design smartphones and other electronic devices so they don't operate if they are within a driver's reach, unless, of course, it's an emergency. I'm, I'm not convinced that that really has anything to do with this particular situation because the driver was relying on the automated driving system in order to be able to properly navigate the road. Um, I'm sorry, I don't think we have automatic cars yet. I know that there is uh, a lot of, of uh, you know movement that's being made and a lot of technology that's being developed in order to get those self-driving cars, but that is not where we are at just yet and yet somehow these cars are on the road and people are uh, taking advantage of the fact that they have this automatic automated driving system this kind of reminds me of an old winnebago tale tale that i remember back in the day where uh, uh, an individual was driving around in their in their rv um, they put it on cruise control and decided that was good enough to go about uh, you know having the thing actually drive itself they went back and started cooking i believe on the on the stove in their in their rv and let the uh, let the thing go on cruise control well needless to say that didn't go so well it eventually went off the road and the person tried to sue the uh, maker of that vehicle because uh, it did not say that if you're on cruise control well the car can't drive itself so uh, that's definitely a ridiculous situation and i can't believe that uh, you know now in 2020 we're dealing with some similar things it's the old tale of uh, hey coffee is hot don't spill it on yourself or you're gonna get burned right it's uh, 
It's ridiculous. It's Darwinism at its finest. And Tesla needs to come up with a better system, or at least if it's going to have this system available, make sure you tell people, hey, keep your hands on the wheel, be attention to the road, and don't play stupid smart games on your phone, because you shouldn't be doing that while you're driving, period, let alone letting the car take control of itself. Well, thanks so much for doing this. This has been Friday Headlines. Friday Headlines with Jeff Andreas. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the sunny weather. And I'll be back here on Monday at 9.